What's up? It's episode 61, Pain Points of Wealth, and inflation is front and center. We saw the largest print on inflation since 1990, as supply chains are still an issue. Labor, huge shortage going on, wages going up. What's going on? We're going to discern for you exactly what's happening within the economy right now, with inflation. Is it going to continue at this rapid pace? And meanwhile, bubbles are forming everywhere. Is crypto a bubble? Are tech stocks a bubble? Is the market a bubble? What do you need to be doing right now proactively to protect yourself? We're going to give you our stock market crash survival guide so you don't get caught up in all the craziness right now. You've got to check out this episode. Hit the music. Let's hop to it. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Well, hey, clearly, guys, inflation has been the hot news. It's been the big news for the last couple of months. But I think I would call this episode Back to the Future. I feel like I'm going back into the 70s and 80s, where most investors don't even remember having inflation, let alone high inflation or seeing interest rates actually go up. We've been in a 40-year bond market, bull market. Is it all over? It could be. I mean, actually, funny you said that. I've been in the business now for over 20 years. And since the day I got into the business, interest rates have done nothing but go down. And the funny thing is, every single year I've been in the business, the prognosticator said, well, you know, rates aren't going to stay this low forever. They had to go back up again. It never happened. On dad's point about clients remembering what happened back in the 70s, I would contend our clients don't even remember what happened back in March of 2020, because everybody who was really, really bearish at that time is really bullish now. Well, Chris, you know, I'm a great studier of history. So I remember what happened back in the 80s and the 70s. But you know what? I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So it's not all their fault. Well, I mean, that's a really good point. I'm seeing this right now in terms of sentiment is everybody was super nervous. For the last decade, they were super nervous. Forget about March, right? I mean, after the great financial crisis, the market had its lowest participant rate in like over a decade. Like people just weren't invested in the stock market. But now all of a sudden, you know, after the market's had huge all-time record highs, we've seen returns like we haven't seen in years. Everybody wants to be in and wants to be more aggressive. And it's the old Warren Buffett saying, right? You know, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. And you can see investors right now are being very greedy. It's kind of crazy. Well, you know, when I watch the financial propaganda channels, you would think that, you know, with 5% year-over-year inflation now, six months in a row, that inflation doesn't appear to be transitory. And based on these commercials, they keep telling you gold is the way to hedge that risk. But gold's the only investment I see on my screen that's down year to date, you know, versus the S&P up 25%. I just love gold. There's so many gold bugs out there. There are always these prognosticators talking about how gold's ready to have its big move. And then it does nothing. And now you're comparing Bitcoin as the new gold. Well, guess what? Gold's a horrible investment. Look at a 100-year chart of gold. It barely keeps up with inflation, yet there's so many investors enamored with this just like unremarkable asset class. Blows my mind. Well, at least with gold, you can find it because it's heavy. You know, you got to put it somewhere. If you forget your password on your crypto account, you lose it all. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, you guys are talking about crypto and gold as not being great inflation hedges. Well, the question I would contend is, well, what is a good inflation hedge? What kind of things should we own that are good to own during these inflationary times? As Bob would say, stonks. <laughs> Actually, I'd say stocks or equities. And we have history as a guide. And I got charts to prove it, guys, if you don't believe it. But stocks have been going up. 
in every inflationary period. It's the best inflation hedge there is because companies is what are represented by stocks, real assets. And what you can do with a company is you can take those additional costs and pass them on to the ultimate consumer, you and I. Not only that, that'll boost your earnings. It'll boost the payback, the buybacks rather, they're buying back their own stock, which I call financial engineering. Don't know why everybody doesn't do it every day. And your dividends, dividends have been going up. Biggest year ever in dividends right now. Yeah, that's a great point is when you look at the stock market long term, we know that 50% has nothing to do with markets going up or down. It's the fact that they pay out those dividends. And to your point, Bob, stock buybacks could be like a trillion dollars this year. And that means that's more demand of stock being bought. So there's less stock in the marketplace, which means that there's less supply and there's lots of demand that pushes stock prices higher. Now, I did a little research on this, boys. I went back to the 70s when we had that hyperinflation. When Bob had the same haircut he has today. And if you look at the S&P 500 in inflation terms, actually went down 36%. Now you'd be thinking to yourself, well, that's terrible. It went down 36%. It was an inflation hedge. But if you factor in dividends, it actually was up 0.4%, meaning that you still kept up with inflation if you factor in dividends on your portfolio. It's a huge inflation hedge. Well, as I always say, Ry, you get a better outcome with income and dividends are definitely a great thing. And I was actually talking to a prospective client this past week about their portfolio and we were going through projections and you know, I showed them how their portfolio would look if they just got a modest 5% rate of return on their money. And their comment was, Chris, that's only 2% above inflation. That's not very good. And I pointed out that 50% of their money was in cash, and I showed them what would happen if they remained 50% in cash. Let's just put it this way. Their projections didn't have a lot of longevity. Well, you know, as I always say, Guy, there are no guarantees when it comes to investing, except if you sit in cash, you're guaranteed right now to lose 6.2%. Your purchasing power is dropping every day. Inflation is an insidious hidden tax. Governments love it because everybody will pay more taxes if we have inflation. They can inflate their way into office you know, every year for the rest of their lives. Not so good for us. Right. So you really got to have a portfolio that reflects the current environment. And that current environment is not a transitory inflationary environment. No. And it's funny, I was at a party, cocktail party, right? Classic this past weekend. And I was talking to two guys, you know, in the middle of their career right now. And of course, everyone loves to talk about the market and what they think is going to happen. And I try to shut up. But of course, it's hard when you think you know everything like me. And they're all talking about, oh, I, you know, I've got a big cash position waiting for this big pullback in the market. And as we've been saying, guys, like, we're not going to get this big pullback in the market. Your big risk here is a 1999-2000 style melt-up. That's what we talk about every week. And that, to me, is another indication you're probably getting get that because too many people are just still sitting in cash waiting for some opportunity that's just not going to come. Like Bob says, waiting for Godot. Yes, that's true. And, and yeah, that's the problem. Like, There's a lot of money chasing the same investments. You know, The last two years, it was all going into Apple and Amazon. Trailing 12 months, Apple and Amazon haven't made that much money. There's lots of areas of the market that are pretty much overvalued. And of course, there is a bubble in certain segments of the market. But there's some unbelievable opportunity when you look at value stocks, small company stocks. I think that's the place to be, Chris. Well, Dad, you know, I was talking to a client of mine yesterday, and he was on the train coming back from New York with his CFO, and they were comparing their performance. So of course, they got me on the phone to find out why his CFO's performance was better than ours. And he told me that his CFO was up 4% more this year than he was. And I said, well, let me guess. He's 100% in stocks. And he's probably very heavily concentrated in large cap growth stocks. And the phone went quiet for a few minutes. He goes, that's exactly right. He's like, how did you know that? I said, because that's every single portfolio out there. I said, that's why you got to hedge your risk. I said, that stuff's not going to stay up forever. Markets are cyclical by nature. I'm like, you need to wake up. Well, and again, I think it goes back to that anti-inflation trade, right? Because as soon as interest rates start going up, and as we're recording this, interest rates are creeping higher 
those what we call long duration assets, whether it's crypto, because you're dreaming about us using some decentralized currency in the future, which maybe, maybe not, or Tesla, for instance, at 150 years worth of profits, this becomes very problematic. And we've been warning you for a while. And I think this is going to be a big problem moving into the future here. Well, you know, in big booming bull markets like we're in, you get a lot of jealousy and you get a lot of people who brag about things that aren't necessarily something you should be bragging about. But, you know, I get calls all the time. You know, my CPA is doing this and my attorney's doing that and my brother's got this. And, you know, when somebody tells you, oh, they're making a big killing in this area of the market. And I say, well, do they have every dollar invested there? And they said, what do you mean? Do they have every dollar invested in that thing that they're bragging about? Well, I would hope not. I said, yeah. So meanwhile, you know, you have your large cap growth portfolios up 18% a year, but you don't have every dollar there. But if you want to brag at a cocktail party, call me before you go and I'll point out what's outperforming in your portfolio. Doesn't make you a better investor. Diversification is the only way, you know, to succeed when it comes to long-term investing. We know that. I want to get dad's book on how to prepare your clients to talk at cocktail parties. What is the cocktail party phenomenon right now? And I think it's only going to get worse because we think markets are going to keep melting up, which means people are going to brag about their returns at cocktail parties. And Bob, this is actually an old Bobism. It's likened to going to the casino. No one ever tells you about when they lose. They only tell you about when they win. And that's what's going to happen now, right? You get that FOMO if you're missing out. Like, why is everyone else making these big returns? Why am I making these big returns? It's a huge mistake. Because remember, it's not about getting all the upside. But when that music stops, and believe me, it will, it's those that are protected and don't lose as much on the downside that win the long game. That's how you have to prepare with your portfolio. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 61, Pain Points of Wealth. We literally just keep getting new listeners every single week. Thank you for the support. If you like our podcast, love it. Give us that five-star ratings on iTunes. Leave a comment. Give us some feedback on what you want to hear about. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, please give us a like, click the subscribe button, click that little notification bell so you can be updated every week of every new episode of Pain Points of Wealth. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. It's where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And gentlemen, of course, I use that term loosely. Since we're talking about market bubbles, you're hearing about bubbles everywhere. Is it a bubble, not a bubble? Is crypto a bubble, not a bubble? SPACs, NFTs, tech stocks, it's all out there right now. But what we learned in our careers is inevitably markets do crash intermittently. It happens. It's part of the nature of the beast, so to speak. And the problem is you never know when a bubble's actually going to burst. So I thought we could discuss how you can proactively protect yourself against any of these uncertainties that the financial markets present to us from time to time and the fickle nature of those markets. And what do you need to be doing right now so you aren't caught in the next big bubble? You know, guys, it's kind of scary, you know, when you do this as long as I have, is you see how market cycles come and go and the market's always changing. You know what doesn't change? Investor behavior. Yes, it's so true. And I was at, again, this cocktail party, I keep thinking about it. It was more like three in the morning and we're still drinking beers. But that's another story altogether. And of course, crypto comes up, Bitcoin comes up and, you know, I can't shut my mouth. So I'm like, that looks like a big bubble. And people start getting indignant, like really mad at you that you could even possibly say that. Well, you go back to the tech bubble back in 99 and 2000, and there are, all of a sudden, everybody became a genius investor. All you had to do is buy something that had a dot-com at the end of the name, and they knew they were in a bubble. They knew they were speculating, knew they were gambling, but they said, of course, Bob, I'll get out before it's over. People think they can game the bubble, right? They're going to pull out beforehand. The good news is, if you sell any time during the bubble when everybody recognizes one and reinvest it properly, you're going to succeed even if you don't get the tippy-tippy top. So be warned, 
It's coming. Well, here's the tricky part. And I'm starting to realize this now because, you know, Bob, I remember you and I back in 2006, and we're looking at all these vacant real estate properties littered across the turn, like driving on the turnpike, you know, looking out on Pennsylvania and just looking at each other like, this has got to be a huge bubble. And again, you know, it didn't burst for another year and a half, but you just knew it was going to happen. And the hard part right now is that FOMO, right? Because everyone's making money and that fear of missing out is just so seductive that it's hard to say, you know what, I'm going to get out early and re-diversify my portfolio. It's the right decision, but so hard to do because of that FOMO in the short term. Well, it's kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles, right? They played pretty well last week and it was fun to watch. But you know, it's more exciting to see a 40-yard, 50-yard pass down the field versus you know three years in a pile of dust, right? So the blocking and tackling, the things you have to do, the basics of investing properly are boring. You love that long pass, but that doesn't work out so well. So the idea is you want to really have a strategy that's based on history, achieving your goals, not having the most return of being in the best investment every day of the week. Well, the other part of that too, Dad, is the fact that not only is it boring, but it's also hard to do. Investing takes discipline. You know, when I talked to my clients two years ago and they didn't want to put money in things like pipelines and commodities, they kept saying the same old thing. That thing's been down for five years. Why do we want to catch a falling knife? And they're singing a different tune now. You know, people don't want to invest in things when they're down. That's the bottom line. They want to invest in that thing that's exciting. Well, it also goes back to that short-term memory. Like we already know how these things are going to end, right? I mean, look, we already know that people were able to delude themselves into believing that a tulip was as worth as much as a house back in the 16th century. You mean it's not? It's, I know, hard to believe, right? Tulip is like a dollar today. But people can convince themselves of anything. And we know these things don't end well in the past. But for some reason, quote unquote, it's different this time. It's not. And we also know that inflation hedges are dividend-paying stocks commodities. We know it does well in an inflationary environment. History has already told us that, yet most of you don't have those in your portfolio. And it's the playbook of the past always works, yet we want to keep on reinventing the wheel when it comes to strategy. And as we've learned, that doesn't work. Well, just like every meeting I've ever had, when it comes time to taking some money off the table, right, or repositioning a portfolio because something's going up dramatically, it's like, well, Bob, can't we just wait till it's done going up? It's like somebody pushes a button or waves a flag or yells at, hey, it's all over. It doesn't happen. So it's really hard when you're an investor. Like you said, Chris, it's counterintuitive. Our emotions take control. Fear and greed motivates all of us. And that's why you need a discipline and a strategy and a plan and keep it balanced. I mean, Bob Farrell was the greatest market technician in the history of my days at Merrill Lynch. And he said a couple of brilliant things. You know, one, there are no new errors. And two, most investors buy most at the top and the least at the bottom. It just doesn't change, right? Here we are, how many years later, and it's still that way, right? There's more people getting into the market today when it's at all-time record highs than the last decade, like we talked about before, where it's impossible to get people invested. I remember the whole decade after the financial crisis, it was like, no matter what happened, whether Greece was going to default on its debt, Greece, which has you know, the smallest percentage of GDP you could possibly imagine, and people were ready to jump out of the market. Didn't matter what it was, everyone was so skittish. But today, it's just pure animal spirits. And it's something to be aware of because really having a discipline or a strategy based on your goals is just that. It's just keeping you away from your tendency to be greedy and fearful because they're just natural human emotions when it comes to liquid markets. Well, to quote dad from the other week, he said, never ever fight your asset allocation because it always works. Yeah. The other conventional wisdom, which I mentioned in the early part of this segment is a lot of you think right now, well, then I just need to have a big cash position or powder dry 
And the big problem with that again is money sitting in cash right now is less valuable than ever because if inflation's at 6%, Bob, to your point, that means you're guaranteed to lose 6% on your money. That's not a good solution to protect yourself against a market crash. And let's face it, guys, when you have 6% inflation, cash is trash, right? You're guaranteed to lose money. Nobody wants to invest where they're guaranteed to lose. But there's this mentality, this passbook mentality that we learned from our grandparents, right? You would go down to the credit union, you'd give them your passbook, and they would pencil in how much money you had and what your return was. And I can't believe we trusted that, right? That pencil had an eraser on it. But that's that thought. It's like, well, I'm making money, a little bit of money. I'm not losing anything. But that's why you don't recognize that the purchasing power of your dollar is dropping all the time. And inflation is a killer, right? It's that insidious hidden tax that you know I don't think we pay enough attention to. Yeah, but I think the bottom line here too is an important thing to remember is if the market crashes, the question you need to ask yourself, what market? Because not everything may go down if we get a big bubble burst in, let's say, tech stocks, for instance. Or let's just say, just for instance, maybe this crypto is really a bubble and it all blows up at some point. That doesn't mean other markets won't go up. And that's the point of diversification. Because if you go back to when the tech bubble burst back in 99, 2000, well, commodities were up that year. Value stocks were up that year. International stocks had a magnificent decade after we saw the tech bubble burst. So it's the same thing now. It's just you got to think to yourself, okay, if the bubble bursts tomorrow, do I have money in lots of different pockets or am I concentrated in the same place? And if you are, now's the time while the wind's at your back to make those proactive decisions, protect yourself against the next big market crash. Hey guys, you know what? This story is as long as the hills. I read you this book when you were born, right? You had to make a decision. Do you want to be the tortoise or the hare? I think all of you need to make that decision right now. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at literally any stage of your journey. But if you're thinking, I want a more hands-on approach, I want to get my portfolio looked at, if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, we'll run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We'll go through every investment you own. We'll look at your diversification, fees you're paying. We'll look at tax optimization. I think taxes are going higher. We'll give you our tax savings playbook. We're going to go through all your expenses, your income plan to make sure you're on track for your plan for financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free complimentary financial review. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 61, Pain Points of Wealth. We appreciate your support. Our listenership's going through the roof. Thank you. Please give us a like. Give us that five-star rating. If someone else can benefit from our financial advice content, please forward our podcast along. We're trying to grow it. Your support helps us to continue to do this podcast. And if this is on iTunes right now, give us that five-star rating. Give us some feedback, what you'd like us to speak about. And if this is on YouTube, click that like button, click that notification bell to be updated of all our new episodes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Subscribe to Pain Points of Wealth. All right, gentlemen, hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, Rivian Automotive is another 2021 hot IPO investment story. The developer and manufacturer of electric vehicles has listed publicly now with a market value of $142 billion, well ahead of GM and Ford. All the while, Rivian is expected to lose $1.3 billion this quarter. 
You know, guys, I always look in the parking lots, especially down in Naples, to see what the fancy, nice new cars look like. And I see Teslas and Mercedes and Porsches and Aston Martins and Bentleys. I've never seen a Rivian. You know why? There's hardly any out there. They only made like 150 so far and it's got a $140 billion market cap. You got to be kidding me. I mean, you're at a point now where GM and Ford together is only a little bit more valuable than all of that company right now. It's, there's no bubbles out there, guys. There's no bubbles being formed at all. This is all good fundamental investing. Chris, in a recent study, 15% of investors with less than five years of experience use futures and options as trading vehicles. However, only 3% of investors with more than five years of investing experience use futures and options. I still have scars on my back from using futures and options. Goes back to that old quote, there are old pilots and there's bold pilots, but there's no old, bold pilots. Well, right. You go and touch the electric fence often enough, you're going to get electrocuted. I've lost a lot of money in the option market when I was younger, and I would never do it again. But this new generation, they got to learn every sheep needs to be shorn. Bob, inflation erodes the purchasing power of fiat currencies, and eventually they become worthless. The dollar has lost 90% of its purchasing power since 1950. On the other hand, the S&P 500 has returned, I ran these numbers, 27,728% over the same time frame, or 11% a year, and an inflation-adjusted 7.86% a year above inflation. That's pretty damn good. You know, Rye, you know my famous book, Why Isn't Everybody Rich? I just can't believe that knowing the history of the financial markets, why everybody's not our client and realize that if they follow our strategy, they're going to compound their money, net of inflation and taxation, be way ahead of the game. And again, everybody should be rich. And again, common sense, currencies are horrible long-term investments and Bitcoin strategy a currency, another horrible investment potentially. We're being rough on Bitcoin today, but we'll see what happens. The jury is out. So, Rye, what did Dr. Kelly from JP Morgan, that Irish economist, say about Bitcoin the other day? It's a cult masquerading as a currency, I think well said. Chris, surprisingly, foot traffic for indoor malls was up 3% in October compared with 2019's pre-pandemic level as traffic for outdoor malls was up 5%. One of the reasons mall stocks are seeing their shares soar, who would have thought going to the mall is a thing again? Well, we said this about 12 months ago that as the pandemic started to lighten up, people were going to be getting outside more. As a matter of fact, I saw a meme the other day that was talking about how Pelotons are now trading at 50% off. So you can get a Peloton for half the price that you could get it over a year ago. Yeah, it's remarkable. And man, oh man, I just want to go to the mall to get those Annie's pretzels. They were the best. <laughs> That's the only reason I want to go. The food court, all that good stuff. All right, gentlemen, I digress. Another great show. If you like our content, love our content, please subscribe, like, Give us that five-star rating. Give us the love. Till next time, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.